before we get started, I wanted to recognize a few awesome folks. Uh, last Saturday, we had the EJS graduation, and I just wanted to honor, and if you could stand when I uh, call out your name, Tom Stevens, and Kim Johnson, bless Kim Johnson, Amy Cordero, who led worship, woo, Amy, Becca Walton is working. Joy Schindler. Yes. And is Jasmine Guy here this morning? Anyway, those are uh, EJS graduates. And uh, I just want to honor them because they really, um, you know, became the body of Christ around here. And that's what we're talking about right now. Um, We've been doing a a three-week series on becoming the body And if you remember week one, we talked about how while Jesus was on the cross, a physical reality that he endured was having his bones actually pulled out of joint. Um, Just like it says in that prophetic Psalm 22, it says, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. And, um, you know, medical professionals say that's exactly what would have happened if he was hanging by two nails in his hands. He would have been completely out of joint. And this is actually a physical sign of what was happening in the spirit. The body of Christ became disjointed, literally. But the church, it said that when when the shepherd has been struck, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And so we know that's true that when Jesus was betrayed, his posse, his A-team, scattered the apostles all ran and the church became disjointed and to a large degree that is still what the church looks like on the earth today and it's our job to put them back together so we have to unite this is jesus's uh his famous last prayer last chapter of prayer in john 17 he's he's talking about make them one lord he wants his church his body to unite And so uh, last week uh, was our second week in the series, and we talked about how manna in the desert was a prophetic foreshadowing of Jesus' uh, communion. And that communion actually means common union. Jesus said that your forefathers ate that bread that came down from heaven in the wilderness, and they died, but he who eats of this bread will live forever forever. Um, that was in John chapter 6, and he had probably about 10,000 people there when he gave that message. It was the cannibal message, and uh, y'all know how that went over. It went over like a pregnant pole vaulter. <laughs> it, just, it just didn't. It just didn't go over. <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> That very, that very teaching that was meant to unify the body, it was a teaching about like becoming one. Jesus, I mean, he didn't really explain it. He just said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood and you'll have eternal life. And, he, and he's saying, you partake of me. This is how we become the body. But he didn't talk about what that looks like on a, on a Sunday morning or what it looks like when we gather together with the bread and the wine. He taught about that later on. And... Um, That teaching that was meant to unify the body was actually the very teaching 
that blew up the church, that completely scattered everyone. Jesus gave the message of unification, of partaking of him. And we know how John uh, 6 ends in 666. It says many of his, of his disciples left and followed him no longer. John 666. Do you think that that's a coincidence? That Jesus was deserted by thousands of people at 666? The number of man, the number of carnal thinking? You know, Jesus was crucified at a place called Golgotha, right? Which means that he was, pla- he was crucified in the place of the skull. And a lot of us, including me, we, we have to just become crucified in the place of the skull again and lay down... Um, what we think is our right to understand him so that we can finally enjoy him. See, that teaching that it's meant to bring unification is still bringing discord, is still bringing division, because uh, when a preacher mentions the importance of putting down roots and getting involved and attending life groups, Uh, many people actually hear a twisted message of cannibalism, just like they heard in John 6. What they're hearing is, they're going to eat me up. They're going to chew me up and spit me out. I'm going to get used and manipulated. That that pastor's just trying to control me and get my tithe. I'm going to have all these stifling community obligations. People are going to want to eat at my house. I don't know if I can pretend to be like, like I have it all together for more than just an hour on Sunday morning, let alone life group and ultimate Frisbee. Come on. And we, we also talked about uh, that, the good old word, word uh, Protestant, which is everyone in this room. Well, I mean, some of y'all might be Catholic, and we welcome you. We love Catholics. Uh, but... Um, that word Protestant means protestant. We're protesters. And I want to say this first. This has value in that we stand up for truth, but for hundreds of years, we've not stopped protesting and dividing and letting small doctrinal issues determine whether or not we choose to love or slander another believer. We protest over small things, even though like we're in a, th- uh, a thriving church and there's great relationships to be had. If we hear one thing that we don't understand or that we disagree with, we go and launch a church based on the doctrine that we do agree with, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to down, t- like, I'm not, I'm not talking bad about the church. Lord knows that I don't want to talk bad about Jesus' bride because if someone talked bad about my bride they would get a reaction from me, and I do not want to talk bad about his bride, right? But, <laughs> but we're, we're talking about this so that we can build the church up again, so that we can unite again. In, uh, you know, thousands of years, how many times do you think the Catholic church is divided? I think like twice. How about the Protestant church? Well, let's, I mean, how, how many times this week? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? What, we need to, act, we actually need to cling to each other, cling to one another. 
the Lord told me through a prophetic experience one time that if we become the body, he'll supply the blood. It's as simple as that. There's not some deep revelatory message or grueling level of discipline that we have to, you know, live up to. It's become a family. Don't give up on each other. And uh, one of the biggest themes of this uh, series has been from 1 Corinthians 14.26, which is Paul's vision from Jesus. It's Jesus and Paul's vision for what church should look like or what it looks like when we gather together. And it's this. It's that everyone brings something. It's a spiritual potluck. So it says, you know, what should we say then, brethren? When you gather together, one comes with a teaching, another with a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song, a revelation, a testimony, a hallelujah. You know, we've got some dancers up here. We've got something I love about our worship department is there's like 10 different worship leaders, right? Any of you have been coming for a few months and you're trying to figure out who's in charge of the worship department? For some reason, it's me, but we put, all, <laughs> we put 10 different people up here all the time because there's so many gifts. There's not just one superstar that's supposed to lead everyone. And it's the same way with this, with this microphone right here. There are so many people that are able to eloquently and effectively and accurately convey the heart of God in a way that inspires us to love him more. Like Matthew Esquivel and Tracy Eckert and, and Vince Corcoran and all, you know, We've heard so many incredible speakers. We've heard from Jeff Simons, who's been with us for about a year, and he's this incredible uh, evangelistic man that takes people out on the the streets and goes to the darkest areas and, and brings love and light. I mean, we've heard from Peter Schneider, and and he's got this incredible revelatory gift. We have so many people in here who can prophesy. And what we want to actually do, which is Jesus's and Paul's vision for church, is give everyone a place where they can like grow in their gift. That you don't actually have to be on this stage to release your gift. Everyone who walks through that door has a word of the Lord for someone in here. Everyone who walks through that door might have a hundred bucks for someone who you know just had an overdraft fee in their bank account. You know, you know what I mean. Anyone who walks in here might have a, a, like Dan Brooke loaned me a whole bunch of tools so that I could tear apart my bathroom. That's becoming the body. So we've talked about manna, which is this bread that's come down from heaven. And, um, and how c- communion is essentially a common union. And when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, their common union was that they were on this perilous nature hike without food or water. (laughs) And they needed food. And so God sent bread from heaven. Man, could you, the story, the testimony of that. Have you ever heard anyone say that um, there's, um, you become friends in the foxholes? In other words, like, if you're in a foxhole with someone and there's a crazy battle going, going on, you're going to have that moment. You get, I mean, if you survive it, you're going to have that moment forever. You're going to be deeply linked to that person that you were in the foxhole with. Okay, so these Israelites were deeply 
linked together because of this adventure the Lord had sent them on and these incredible testimonies of provision. And so Jesus comes along and he says, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. He is the manna. And um, when I was putting together this teaching, for some reason the Lord just led me to uh, the letters to um, the churches in Revelation. And there's a are you guys familiar with the letters to the churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation? In every one of the letters, there is like an encouragement, like you're doing this good. And that. It's like a report card for the churches. Like you're getting an A in unity, you're getting a B <laughs> in outreach, but in terms of sexual immorality, you're getting a C. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he said, but if you overcome, if you overcome, then you're going to get this. And so it's a report card plus promises and rewards. And um, <laughs> in, the, in the letter to the church at Pergamum, this is Revelation 2, 14 through 17, says, to the angel of the church Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword. And I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, Antipas, uh, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Uh, never, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And so he praised him, and now he's going to say, this is what you need to work on. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak, to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. Otherwise, I will, soon, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And here's the reward. To the one who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Hidden manna. And I've heard of the normal stuff. I mean, there's nothing normal about it. It's definitely supernatural. It came down from heaven. And, but hidden manna. Hmm? That sounds tasty. I would like to try this hidden manna. So I, I started just looking into this, and if you guys want an uh, insight into how like, I do some of my Bible study, I just pick out like, every name in there and then look up the meaning of all the different names, look up the meaning of the town that it was written to. Like, you just, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take like, a crazy revelatory you know, gift of wisdom and revelation. You just need like, a thesaurus and Google. And, like, anyway, so this is, this is what I figured out here. Uh, one of the rebukes is that uh, they hold to the teaching of Balaam. Balaam was a, a, a weird guy from the Old Testament with a crazy prophetic gift. And, um, and the king of Moab, Balak, was trying to get Balaam to prophesy bad things against Israel. But he could only prophesy what he heard the Lord saying. And so he, he kept prophesying good things about Israel. And then, uh, so 
the king of Moab became frustrated. And so what Balaam did do is he showed the king of Moab how to divide and conquer Israel. And it was this, give them prostitutes and give them food sacrificed to idols. And it was all in an attempt to divide And I guess it worked. There's also this rebuke in there about the holding to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And I looked that up, and what the Nicolaitans were famous for in their teaching is that they believe that the body is separate from the soul and therefore can participate in any fleshly gratifying behavior without it affecting the soul. These are teachings of division. It's a teaching, and actually uh, the, the name Pergamum, who the, the letter is written to, Pergamum means improper marriage. There is a prophetic message in here about being properly, properly married and joined together to the body of Christ. And this teaching about um, that, the, that the soul and the body are separate, and therefore the body can participate in any behavior without it affecting the soul is really still the teaching that is happening in the church. If you prophetically think about this, you know, and not prophetically, it's just symbolic. If you just think about this, there's so many people that believe that they can be connected to the head without being connected to the body. How can you be connected to the head without being connected to the body? His head and body, his head wasn't cut off on the cross. Like he, and I love the promise here, the hidden manna. What is this hidden manna? Uh, it made me think of uh, Colossians one twenty six. It says, the mystery that has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who's the bread that came down from heaven? Where is he hidden now? He's saying if you become properly married to the body of Christ, you will get a revelation of the hidden manna, which is Christ in us. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete or together in Christ. This is a present day warning with a present or, uh, with a present day promise, a present day reward to those who overcome. I kept on uh, I dug a little bit deeper about this uh, hidden manna, and I found out that during uh, during Passover, um, our Jewish brothers and sisters. Uh, celebrate a meal called Seder. And uh, there actually is this thing called hidden manna. And it's, uh, the Hebrew word for it is afikomen. Afikomen. 
I don't know what uh, accent that was, but off the common, yeah. I want some of the Afikomen. Okay, uh, the leader of the Seder is generally the father. If we'd open up a linen bag with three unleavened bread wafers called matzah, he would remove the middle matzah, break it in half, and wrap the broken matzah back in the linen and hide it somewhere in the house during dinner, during the course of the meal. So that's... I mean, the imagery there is hidden manna. And then uh, after the meal, the children would be turned loose to find the hidden manna. The one that found the afikomen would receive a reward. And then the hidden manna would be shared with the whole family. Have you ever seen a child that, you know, um, like a, is there such a thing as a racist three or four year old? You know, naturally, no. You know, they'd have to be taught that. They don't, they don't distinguish based on, uh, f- you know, financial status or color of the skin. Children just love each other. They, I mean, they, they, they just, they don't see differences. Uh, we had a, um, one of our good friends, um, Beatrice, come over to our house, and um, she's this beautiful African woman, and uh, we have glow-in-the-dark white children, and, <clears throat> and, and Beatrice is hanging out on our couch, and, and, and my three-year-old daughter comes up and starts rubbing her arm and says, your skin is beautiful. I mean, they, they don't, there's not that kind of uh, separation. There's not that kind of um, segregation in, in, in their mind. And that's why it, this, this symbolic p- picture is that you have to become like children and just, just become the body. Just go and find the hidden manna like a child. Find the treasure in one another, no matter what they look like or sound like. And uh, afikomen in Greek literally means I came. It's the I came bread, the bread that's come from, he- from heaven. So I, I, at the onset of this, I, I, I said that we, it's our job just to put Jesus back together on the earth. And um, there are many great reasons for that. But one of the most exciting reasons is that uh, we would be empowered like Christ on the church, I mean, on the earth. <laughs> we would be the church that is actually manifesting and displaying the, the, full, the power and authority of Christ. Could you imagine that? That's why this is the most highly fought against, uh, like, demonically hated message. Because all of hell knows that if a church unified, then the earth would be flipped upside down. So how do we do that? Have you ever had to put someone back together? Someone has come to you and they're just at the end of their rope. You know, everything's falling apart. Anyone ever had to encourage someone in that state? Like, well, I mean, some of the things that we, we do in that moment... 
You might remind them of their destiny, their identity. You'd put things into perspective. You might even enter into their sorrows and just weep with them. You'd help them find their place. I mean, this, this is, these are the things. It's just simple stuff. This is how we put people in the right place in the body of Christ. How do we put Christ back together on the earth? We care for one another's needs. One time we had a student in EJS who came in, and she, was, she looked pretty uh, depressed and found out that someone had stolen the wheels off her Acura that, that morning. And that's why she was late. And, and uh, it, was a, it was a pretty nice car, and, and I'm sure those wheels and tires were going to cost a lot. And she was just super bummed out. And so she left uh, the room to use the restroom or something like that. And, and Vincent and I looked at each other and were like, let's do this. And so we turned to the rest of the students and, like, and, and we were like, we're going to take, take up an offering right now for her, for her wheels and tires. And we had, I don't know, maybe like 20 um, students in, the, in that class. And, and uh, they were mostly all broke. And, uh, but somehow... Out of that, that quick impromptu offering, we raised over $600. In fact, uh, when she came back in and, and we handed it to her, and she was just undone. And she went and bought you know, the wheels and the tires, and it came out to uh, the price of the wheels and the tires was $30 less than all the money that we raised. And I think that she and her husband like, went out for dinner with the 30 bucks that was left over. I mean, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for a friend. Do you know why it says friend there? This is what the Lord said to me. He said, sometimes it's easier to lay down your life for a stranger than a friend. Because when you know someone's failures and shortcomings, are you still going to be able to believe in him? If the Lord gave you, told you to give $100 to a stranger, would it be easier to give $100 to a stranger or to a friend that you know is horrible with money? <laughs> I mean, to a stranger, you, I mean, you're like, oh, yes, I am Christ on the earth. It's no big deal. This hundred bucks, I'm just going to go and sow it into this man's poor life. And you hand him the hundred dollar bill and you walk away feeling awesome, which is awesome. You know, you, but if the Lord's like, hey, give, I want you to give a hundred dollars to that, that guy who uh, is really horrible with money. is <laughs> always wasting money, is always in financial troubles, has a poverty spirit on his life kind of thing. You're like... That's not the Lord. <laughs> That's unsanctified mercy. <laughs> How else do we become the body? How else do we put Christ back together on the earth? We, we put away the pointing of the finger. Accusation and slander and gossip. Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Accusation, slander, and gossip make pieces of Christ's body fall off and makes the blood drain out. We can also recognize people's giftings and help them become properly positioned in the body there's a really great book on this called The Five, written by a really great author named Vince Corcoran, who is part of this great church. You can buy it out in the coffee shop. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's, it's a great resource to learn how to help people become properly positioned in the, in, the, in the body of Christ. 
And um, what I'm going to end with today, which is everyone's favorite message about how to put Christ back together on the earth, is to submit to leaders. Properly submit to authority. What's the most important part of the body? Trick question. Every part's important. But the head... (laughs) The head does, <laughs> does a lot of thinking for us. Um, and Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. That's what it says in Colossians 1.17. So if Christ is the head of the church, and you have leaders in the church that are properly relating to Jesus, properly giving Jesus leadership in the church, that means that those leaders who are under Christ would be like, I don't know, the brainstem I'm not much for uh, anatomy, but, you know, some, maybe neurotransmitters. You know, we're, we're, the, the leaders of a church would be the ones who are relating the commands of the head so that the body moves in the direction that the leaders feel like the head is saying to move. And it's hard to be um, a teacher. It's hard to be a leader... It says uh, in James 3.1 that not many of you should presume to be teachers because you know that he who teaches will be judged more strictly. Hebrews 13.17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Do you know what the fear of the Lord has become for me over the past couple years? The fear of the Lord for me is that God would actually entrust some of the hearts of his children to my leadership. His children. And that, the reason that that's the fear of the Lord for me is that I can make decisions that could potentially shipwreck other people's lives. And then I stand before the Lord, and, you know, his question to us when we stand before him is, what did you do with the the hearts that I gave you to steward? He's, guys, he's, he's not interested in you building kingdoms for him. He's interested in knowing what did you do with the hearts that I gave you to steward? What did you do with the relationships that I gave you to foster? Because we, we, we still you know, have this mentality that we can love Jesus without loving people. We still, like, there's so many in the church that still hold to that, the teaching of the Nicolaitans, which is that the, the head and the body are separate and I can just go off into the forest by myself and have a relationship with God and I don't need the church. But, I mean, you can read in First John, it's impossible to, to love God and not love people. If you, if, you, if you believe that you love God who is unseen, but you don't love people who are seen, then you've been tricked. We actually just... I know that this is like not some deep revelatory message. It's so stinking simple. It's go over to one another's houses and enjoy meals together. It's, 
show up when, you know, there's been a loss in the family. It's not give up on, you know, someone who's had, you know, a, a year of making bad decisions. It's continuing to believe in them and, and bring them back in. And it's not giving up on one another. This is, this is what it's like to become the body. And when we actually do that, then we're going to have the power of the blood. It's, it's, it's when it's leaving the 99 for the one, running after them and bringing them back because that one is really important to the hearts of your people. All the, uh, all the outpourings in the past lasted for a certain amount of time. And do you know when they usually ended? Actually, when they all ended. When division happened. Because if you slice off your arm, where's all the blood going to go? on the floor, the power of the blood would fall out of that body of Christ. There would be no more revival. There would be no more outpouring. This is the message that the Lord is trying to speak to his church. It's become the body. It's become a family. There's not going to be one superhero preacher that's going to you know, bring Christ back to the earth through you know, a million miracles. It's going to be his whole body functioning as one. It's going to be 10 different worship leaders on stage and five different people giving words of knowledge, which I asked several people to give words of knowledge today, but they didn't show up. And (laughs) I promise that like this church is not the Jeremy show. It's not the Tracy show. It's the, it's us. Like we're just trying to be a family that follows after the Lord. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. This is where we're going to end. It says, he gave some to be apostles, some to be, a pro- some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers for the equipping of the saints and the building up the body until we attain to the unity of the faith and to a mature man, to the full stature that is of Christ. That is why we need one another. Because if we have four out of the five, then we're not going to become the full stature that is of Christ. Right now, uh, the, the church on the earth has a pet doctrine. I call it the prophet evangelist teacher doctrine. That's all they believe in. Or the pastor evangelist teacher. <laughs> the pet doctrine. Pastor evangelist teacher. Where's the prophet and the apostle? Right now, the church on the earth only believes in three out of the five. We're going to put them back together. Let's stand up and pray. At this time, can I have our awesome ministry team come forward? You know who you are. Don't worry, y'all look great. Just come come on up. Um, Another way that we uh, become the body is by having people stand up here who have been praying for our church and um, who are trained in, you know, the prophetic and healing and they want to lay hands on you if you have something, a sickness in your body or an injury and they also want to prophesy over you if you need encouragement. And so um, if you are a part of the body that is suffering, please come forward because we want to care for you. So Jesus, we love you and we love your church. Father, I ask that you would take every... um, Every word uh, that I spoke today, 
and that you would turn it into something anointed and powerful in our hearts and um, and that you would show us how we can become part of your body. Jesus, that for every single one of us, we want to become intimately and vitally connected to your body. We want to do our part, Lord, and we want to, we want to shine in our, in our role. Father, I ask for the apostles to rise up. Apostles, please stand up, and the prophets to stand up. In the last day, the true evangelists stand up, and the pastors who have a true shepherd's heart stand up, and the teachers that have the fear of the Lord and an understanding of your word who have studied to show themselves approved, teachers stand up. Lord, we want your body to be built up again. Father, we know that the world has seen everything else we have to offer. They've seen programs. They've seen outreach. They've seen even healing miracles. They've even seen resurrection from the dead and accurate prophetic ministry. But the one thing the world hasn't seen is your body united on the earth. Jesus, unite your body on the earth. Father, we repent for uh, dividing over all of our silly uh, differences. Father, we repent for the pointing of the finger. Father, we repent for bad-mouthing churches that aren't spirit-filled. Lord, we repent. We ask for your presence to dwell here. We want the power of your blood in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. 